yeah. Yeah. What makes that so? I don't know. Uh, because? Just because. Just because. It's 7.08 a.m. Saturday, October the 13th, 2018, I'm Bill. I am Diane. It's the Bidden Diane Show. <laughs> Episode. <laughs> I don't know. We've been irregular. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Not in a gastrointestinal <laughs> way, but... Yeah, I am an egg. Yeah. <sighs> it's been a hectic week here in Lake Amphetamine, Diane. Has it? It didn't feel As that hectic. Usual. Well, I mean, hectic and, you know, geographically it was kind of hectic. Yeah. Covered some ground. But it was extremely... Chill. Chill. Yes. It was quite chill. So what's been going on? Well, we went out to La Push. We went out to La Push, yes. We went out there for... Went out there on Sunday, came back on Thursday afternoon, right? Yeah. That was good. It was a particularly healing... Um, time at La Push this time. Yeah. Lots of sleeping, lots of reading, lots of walking, you know, stuff like that there. And the weather was kind of my favorite situation where you start off with a little bit of a drizzly day so that you could just read and sleep and not feel at all like, oh, I should be outside. Just do what you would like to do. Uh, inside and then um, (coughs) the next day was gorgeous beyond belief yeah I know that was intense plus it was not cold it was clement the whole time yeah yeah it was there was no I never went outside and felt cold and it wasn't uh, super windy either no when were we up there that it was so windy was that last November when we were yeah last November when it was so windy and the windows were moving (laughs) They were the, pulsing with the yeah, wind. The windows were being pushed inward by the storm winds. But the thing that was the most notable is that I was going into this weekend still pretty marked by grief. And uh, as a matter of fact, last week we didn't do a Bill and Diane show because I was pretty... Um, I don't know. Pretty low last week. What was the term you used? Ambushed? Ambushed by grief. Ambushed well, it was not my, my term. That was uh, John O'Donohue oh, and yeah. his blessing. He said that you could get ambushed by grief. And I think it was partially because I'd been holding it together fairly well during this time that I had to get through some work because it was one of my busiest seasons. And then when that work ceased, because the deadline had passed, I just really was kind of falling apart. And, um, but I'd had a dream of my mom, which was quite wonderful to me, to see her in my dream. And that was part of the reason why I was feeling the grief, is because I felt her presence, but I couldn't be with her, you know. yeah. But it was really interesting. I I have the <laughs> I have mysterious things happen to me and mysterious inclinations 
to do things. And the flowers that we had for my mother's altar that were from my cousin and, and Cindy, his, um, his friend, they had bloomed very beautifully and fragrantly and quickly. I don't think I've ever seen roses bloom like that. Now, in my mind, in my fancies, I, I always think things like, my mother is actually taking these roses. You know, she's taking them on the other side. And, um, and that's the, the sort of way I think. So when we were going to the ocean, the flowers had bloomed out. And I just had this inclination while well, I wanted to take the, the petals with me and do something at the ocean. But I really didn't know at that point what I was going to do. But I took all the petals, plucked them off the stems and put them in a bag to take with us to the beach. And I also, I didn't want to take the whole shrine, but I wanted to take my mother with us on the trip. So I took this statue that your your uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to say cousin, cousin uh, Anne had given me that has a pretty remarkable story too because Anne ha- and her brothers had lost their mother in May, Mary Lee, that we talked about Mary Lee on the show. And so they came to your concert on on the week that my mom died and uh, and Anne brought this package, and she said, "Don't open it tonight, you know. Well, well, we're here." Uh, and then she said, "Oh, or or you can," <laughs> but, but I, because she said that I shouldn't open the package, I decided that it was best not to. And when I opened <sighs> it at home, I just started weeping because. It was a this. Um, it's a statue by uh, Willow Tree, is the sculpture group that pr- produces these, and it's of a mother and daughter in a close embrace. And the mother is kissing the top of the daughter's head. And the reason why it was even more powerful to me was that I had given that same sculpture to my mother when my mother couldn't hear me on the phone when I was trying to call her and tell her I loved her. And the sculpture has a little card that says close to me and says, uh, together or apart, you're always close to me. So I really felt like this sculpture has special impact on me because I felt like it was channeled by Anne to from my mom. So I brought the sculpture down with us. And I had this inclination that I wanted to do some sort of thing on the beach, you know. So on the beautiful day that we had, because the day we had was purely beautiful, with the mists hanging in the hills, but the sun shining through the mist with dreams like that created almost these slats of light that looked very holy and very like a sanctuary outside, you know. And we had 
been for a walk and, and had been back to the cabin. And all of a sudden, I just had this inspiration. I just said, I want to do something down on the beach. I want to do a ritual. And as I was walking down, I don't even think I had much of a thought in my head about what was what I wanted to do. But I, as I went down, I thought, okay, I need something to draw in the sand with. And I picked up a stick that had a, a point on it that would be a finer point than most sticks would have. And it was just at my feet at the moment that I thought I need something to draw with. And I went down and, and when I got down, I drew a spiral that went into another spiral. And I had brought some um, precious stones as well, uh, a rose quartz that was given to me on Vashon by the Sparkle Fairy, is what she said she was, spreading love everywhere, and a Labradorite stone that you had purchased at Kronos at Vashon. And I had picked up some rocks along the beach earlier that I had brought down with me too. But even the spiral was sort of a surprise to to draw. It, it was odd that I wasn't, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just did this very naturally. Did the spiral into the other spiral and and I put the rose petals around in the spiral and then um, started placing the rocks. And you, you were a little behind me in coming down. And I asked you whether you would collect rocks. What did you think when I was saying all that? When I was asking I was you to I was trying to figure out what I could do to help. So when you said, Go, can you collect some rocks? I was like, ah, yes, I can do that. <laughs> That's something I know how to do. Did you have any particular plan of which rocks you were choosing? No, I was just looking for rocks that looked like they would fit. So I started placing the rocks as you brought them down. And at one point, I thought, okay, that's enough rocks from there. Now we have to go down. And I don't even know what, what was drawing me to do that. You know, I, I felt like I have to now go and and get rocks from the ocean. And most of the rocks from the ocean were big. And I thought, yes, that's what I need to have is big rocks. So the second spiral was all of these... Big like the palm of your hand. Type. Big of like the palm of your hand versus little, little uh, rocks that were like the tip of a finger. And I formed the, the second part of the spiral and put the Labradorite... Uh, stones, uh, labradorite and quartz stones in the middle of that. And you put the little statue in the middle of the bigger spiral. Right. right. And it was actually so beautiful. I thought, I want to take some pictures. And ended up taking pictures of, of it, but could not see the pictures. Uh, because I mean, could not see in the viewfinder what I was looking at because it was so bright. And uh, then I wanted to wait until the tide came in. I didn't think the tide was going to come in that far. Because <laughs> I was looking at the tide line, the previous high tide line, and it was way down from where we were. And so I kept saying, you know, I don't think the tide's going to come in this far now. I don't think the tide's going to come in this far. <laughs> so you can imagine my surprise and delight and 
emotional reaction when in fact it did. Yeah, and it was quite amazing to watch the tide. And after a certain point, you're you're kind of hoping, you know, you're you're waiting for that tide to come in and take this away. But as we we're waiting, um, there were two women who stopped and looked at the looked at what had been and looked at the spirals, and one of them. Uh, she was an older woman, and she said, I know this is deeply personal, but do you mind if I take a photo? And I said, oh, no, please, you know, but didn't say anything to her. But then the second woman came up, and she was looking at the spirals, and we were sitting a little bit uh, away from that because there was a piece of driftwood that we could lean our backs against. And the so I called out to the woman, my mother just died and this is for her. And the woman came over and started talking to me and uh, asked about my mom and, and uh, you know, what happened. And I told her that she died of effects of Alzheimer's um, or, or dementia. And she said um, that her mother had Alzheimer's as well. And in the course of conversation, I was asking whether her mother was in a facility of any sort. And um, she said, yeah, she's living in a place in Portland. And I said, oh, really? My mother was in a place in Portland. And and we started talking about it. And it turned out that she was, her mother lives next door to the, the place that my mother was living, which was just astonishing. Right. Judith and Leon had built two houses. Right right next door to each other. And in the last, in August of this year, they'd actually sold the larger of the two houses. And your mom was in the smaller of the two houses, and her mother was in the larger of the two houses, right next door to each other. And this woman was from Sisters, Oregon. She wasn't even from Portland, or, you know, so it's sort of like, she was from Sisters, I was from Seattle, and our mothers are... Both in We're facilities, living next door to each other. And we ran into her on the beach, on the put in the bush. <laughs> yeah. The thing that's so bizarre about this too is that we had been listening to an American Life, this American Life episode that was just charming. Uh, that had the title "No Coincidence, No Story." It was all about coincidences that happen, and and. Uh, I thought, wow, now we've got one that we could have given right now. Although I've had many coincidences in my life. But anyway, when we got back to the cabin and looked at the photos, they were stunning and uh, and magical. And and uh, and we, I made up a little slideshow with music behind it and showed it to Bill, and we were both crying by the end. We were crying a bit on the beach too. Yeah. As I realized that the tide was actually going to come in and do what you wanted, which is wash all the rose petals away. We had to rescue the statue and it took me a minute to find the Labradorite. (laughs) It just was one wave that came and just took everything. It was a very gentle wave. It was a fairly gentle wave, but it must have had some undertow to it because the Labradorite had gotten sucked you know, several feet down towards the surf, and 
and it took me a few minutes to find it amidst all, amongst all the larger rocks that had been scattered. It was just amazing the way the, that single wave kind of scattered everything. Yeah. It did exactly the thing that, you know, I mean, as someone who gets to stand around and watch all this cool stuff happen to you, <laughs> because you have a, a quality of intent about you uh, that is both conscious and unconscious, uh, that leads you to do these kinds of things, and so I get to witness this stuff. It makes it a, an extremely emotional event in my life, you know, in, in, an in an unexpected way, which I which I think works better for me. It works better for me to be the witness, because then it then I think it the event enters me in in a way that feels appropriate to me because it's more spontaneous and more, you know, kind of just like of the moment whereas for you I think for you you get you get into this zone where you're kind of conscious and unconscious you know what you're trying to do but you have no idea how it's going to happen and so you just follow some kind of impulse uh, whether it's in your body or in your mind I don't know which probably some of each and you create these things that end up being just the thing that was that needed to be created and I don't know. I feel I feel like we're well matched because I think I'm a better witness than I am a, a instigator in in something like that. I mean, I've got my own creative processes that that I'm a I'm a part, full participant in. But you know, watching how you do what you do is endlessly fascinating to me. So I think it has because of the combination of our creativities and our intents in these given moments. I think I'm a better uh, witness than I am a participant or a creator of those kind of things, you know. Anyway. Well, it's... <clears throat> very The powerful. thing that was interesting about it is that I... I felt so healed from the process. I felt like the grief that I had had been transformed in some way into beauty and joy. Because there was a joyful aspect of having that wave come in and take all that away. I think partially because everything is so impermanent. We all know it, you know. We know that everything is <laughs> is changing all the time and that we know that these events are going to happen in our lives. But... But I think that the mystery of it sometimes overtakes us. And I think that what happens as we get older, and I was talking about this with my mother yesterday, is that our sense of our of the kind of inborn resistance to it starts to kind of fragment, you know, and our, our resistance to these things turns into something else that still has a, a quality of resistance to it, but also has a uh, more of a an acknowledgement of the inevitable and and then so that there's a strange mixture of resistance and acceptance that that is formed so it's quite interesting to be at an age where you're sensing this change inside yourself uh, as the external events of your life you know as you know one might might say as the walls start to close in on you but I don't think it's really that. I think as the as the walls kind of open away from you uh, and changes the the appearance of the horizon that we're all headed towards anyway, 
you kind of you your relationship with that horizon uh, changes the closer you get to it and it's nice to feel that progression uh, and to feel a little more peace about things that have not seemed peaceful at a distance you know well it's I think that for me I need to create my own special event around these important life changes. I need to create an event that is mine, not created by anybody else for my mom, you know. Now, I, I did not know about this when my dad passed. I didn't know that I could do these sorts of things. And I felt like it it created more of a a hard stone of grief that I couldn't melt for a long time. And through doing the, like building the little shrine in the house and then doing this uh, ritual at the beach, uh, which was so perfect because so much of our life, uh, my family's life was centered around being at the ocean. And it was Cannon Beach, but La Push reminds me a lot of Cannon Beach in the in the long ago years when it was more wild and uh, less tamed by society. And uh, even the to have the stone out in the ocean, the monolith, it's not, uh, at La Push, it's not the same as Haystack, which is a huge monolith, but, but it still has reminiscence of that and kind of the, the cove that it's in and just reminds me of, Cannon Beach from my youth. So even when I was making up the spiral, it made me think of when I was a kid and kneeling in the sand and making sand castles or whatever we would do. We would always be doing something in the sand. So it had a kind of a hearkening back to my childhood and my my present age and it felt all of a piece. And especially the thing that was so wonderful, because as I said, I had no idea what I was going to do, draw in the sand until I was there. And then I just, uh, without thinking, as you say, kind of unconsciously, did the spiral. And in my mind, I was sort of thinking, I am, you know, helping my mother through this process to create a a pathway of rose petals for her journey and uh, to help her walk to to the other side which is more unknown but at the same time I think more solid than here I I know that sounds weird because uh, a lot of times I think people think of the other side of the veil as being more shadowy but I think that this is the shadowy side you know so, um, and in that side, I believe personally that everything is love and everything is unity versus here that's more fractured and, and a series of opposites, you know, yes and no over here. But I don't think that that's true over there. This is just my own philosophy. So... It just helped me immensely. And I really feel blessed 
that I, I sent on the little video to some special friends because it's a little, uh, it's a little weird to just post on Facebook uh, for everybody to see in a way. I mean, I kind of feel like, is this an appropriate, would, would it take away the, the sanctity of it? But when I shared it with some friends, I, I was particularly interested in sharing it with friends who had lost their mothers recently. Like I sent it to David Pulesky because he had lost his mother and, um, and of course, Anne. And, but then I was sending out the little video to a few other people, and people were really moved by it in, a, in the same way that I was, which was um, interesting to me. Uh, and very healing on its own because I thought, well, creation of beauty through a, an aspect of personal grief. I mean, that's, isn't that what all art is? You know, you, you take something that has happened to you that is yours alone in some way. I mean, it's not mine alone <laughs> because there's lots of people who are grieving my mom. But my grief is mine alone. You know, the kind of things that I feel are mine alone. And you create something from it, and it's more universal, just like your songs. You know, when you, you've told me oftentimes that the more specific you are in your songs, the more universal it seems to make the, the lyrics. I just... Uh, so I, it made me feel like, well, this has importance for other people too. And I shouldn't negate that. You know, I shouldn't say, oh, it's just this little thing I did. You know, the, there's some sort of power that has happened for a man. But it made me feel closer to my mom and more at peace with what is happening to do this so that was the the big the big thing that happened for me this week I mean it was one of the big things of my life yeah so it was big for me too and it was kind of I've had kind of you know a parallel kind of archetypal uh, event has been going on in my family too and my mom has just this last weekend like the few days before we left for La Push uh my mom moved back to her house in Tacoma. She had been partnered up with a uh, an old friend of hers um, uh, for five the last five years or so, um, and had been living at his his place. But for reasons that are still unclear to me, my mom isn't talking about it much. Uh, that relationship came to an end. I think. I, um, in my mind, I think part of it has to do with an acknowledgement between the two of them that they were both really quite old and and frail and uh, unable to care for each other. And uh, I think that was definitely probably part of what led to the, to the end of their relationship. So my mom has moved, uh, and I was helping her move, back to her house in Tacoma where my sister has been living. And also where my daughter is currently living. So I've got this situation where three generations of my family are suddenly living under the same roof. And, and 
each one of them is having their own kind of emotional experience around that. But it's very interesting and in some ways kind of enlivening, I think, to each of them to be in, in this circumstance at this place in their lives. And, and so that's been a, that's been from in my progression, you know, and going out to the ocean and stuff like that and having the, the ceremony for your mom, it's just, it's kind of encompassed all of that change that's, that's been happening in my family too. In a, in a kind of nice way and once again I feel kind of like a little bit on the outside kind of witnessing this from a, a certain amount a certain amount of objectivity and a, a lot of subjectivity too um, but it's created a, a unique observable situation uh, in my life which is you know okay here's here's the next set of circumstances that are going to be in place suddenly boom here we are in this thing that everybody's thought about and everybody's talked about and maybe they worried about and here it is so so it's got the same kind of uh, gravity and it's got the same kind of there's like these you know energetic fields that are you know both uh, attracted and repelled and but they've got it, their own kind of atmospheres and and the interaction of those atmospheres creates another kind of atmosphere and you know it's just observing this and seeing the energy flow of it all is is quite poignant and I feel uh, yeah I feel a lot of things but among the many things that I feel is a sense of being blessed at just being able to witness it, you know. Well, that's the thing that I think about these truly archetypal times in life because the death of, death of parents is archetypal. You know, the, we all expect that this will happen at some point in our lives if we don't go first, you know. But, but the natural order of things is that you will lose your parents. And aging is an archetype. You know, the, all of these things are these huge, momentous things in life. And, and I feel like if you're able to really go into the mystery of it all, it is a blessing. It's a, it's a blessing to witness, and it really gives you the full, the full flavor of a life to feel everything to feel the grief, to feel the joy, to feel everything, you know. Mm. So I think it's it was almost like this perfectly plotted <laughs> situation that that we had this vacation already scheduled um because to be at the ocean which <laughs> which I just read in this this book is sort of the the threshold to the other world anyway, sort of a liminal space. And it does feel that way to me when I'm at the ocean. It feels like a threshold to the other world. It doesn't feel uh, totally grounded in this earthly sphere. Because you're at the edge. You're at the edge. You're at the edge. But also just the way that the weather is and the, and the, the, 
if you're fortunate enough to be in places that are still pretty wild, like La Push, to me, still feels pretty wild, um, or just untamed, even though there's that, the cabins are there. When you're out in the elements, and you're with the bird, the this particular time, there were so many birds. I mean, we've always had birds there, but the sky was just alive with them at all times. And a lot of times they would be uh, flying in these circular patterns that just seemed fascinating. And I don't know, you're, you're just presented with life's mysteries in so many ways. Well, it's nice just on the surface, it's just nice to have your, uh, your senses freed up. You know, it's like you're away from all of the chatter and, and uh, screens and, and stimuli that that occupy our daily life when we're in a more of an urban kind of setting or in our home ground. Pardon me, I'm having a drink of coffee. To be lifted out of that and taken to some place where the you boy where there's fewer there's good coffee stimuli, but they're more. They feel new. They feel like this is the world that's just coming out of the creation. You know, this is what's. This is this, you know, things that are coming ashore here are new things. And that may be strictly symbolic uh, in reality, but it, to be able to live in that space for a few days, give your brain a chance to quiet down and adjust to it. And, is, you know, and it's a diff- different kind of rhythm yeah. of life. Um, the reason I had chosen the song that we're going to to play today was because uh, I had actually chosen it out last week because I was under such I really was under a lot of grief last week before this miraculous uh, ritual that helped me feel my mom's presence even more keenly but I was thinking about this song. I've I've always loved this song, uh, "Calling All Angels," by you pronounce it Jane Seabree. Seabree, uh-huh. I don't know how to pronounce Seabree. your name. And uh, uh, Katie Lang. And I always loved this song because of its its way of observing the world around us in a slightly different way. I, I kind of feel like the poetry of it allows you to get into a different sort of headspace about life in this world. But I also, uh, when I was first thinking of it uh, last week, I really was feeling like, help me get through this, you know. And I'm just really even though I feel in a different place, I love what this song says and how it views life. And I have often thought of the, the lyrics of this song um, ever since I first heard it. I, I think about it a lot. And so... Santa Maria, Santa Teresa, Santa Anna, Santa Susanna, Santa Cecilia, Santa Capilia, Santa Dominica, Mary Angelica, Frater Ashes, Frater Pietro, Julianus, Patricia. 
Petronella. Oh, no. 